0: You're listening to the Tripping Off Podcast. Some of my most ardent and energetic critics come from the religious community. Those who are unfamiliar with hypnosis and hypnotherapy believe that it could be a possible, dangerous point of entry for the malicious metaphysical forces that surround us. However, what many of them do not understand is that any good religious service uses many hypnotic principles to help its followers achieve a euphoric experience and deepen their connection with God. Sometimes, this can even go a little too far, and cause some to become unquestioning followers who end up being hurt due to the lack of conscious care. This is why today I'm joined by Jamie Maller, the owner of Recollected Self, a hypnotherapist, and a TikTok influencer. She claims to be able to help us unlearn what we assume about God and religion. Well, I'm joined today by Jamie Maller, uh, who is about to start a very interesting podcast that I'll let her introduce. But she is in the state of New York uh, and a licensed mental health counselor herself, and one of the elite few TikTok oh therapists on the internet. I know she's uh, <laughs> embarrassed when I introduce her that way, but she really is. She's got quite a following. She has helped so many people through what she does online, but she has something very special to share because not only is she a mental health counselor, but she's also a hypnotherapist, just like I am. Uh, and she has some very interesting things to say about her discoveries with religion and hypnosis as well. So Jamie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Yeah. Hey. Uh, nice. <laughs> nice to be here. Um, so yeah, I mean, you covered a lot right there. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm I'm on here to talk a lot about you know some of some of the implications that I've seen with the cross section between like religion and um, people's experiences with those ex- you know yep. with the with the uh, how did we put it retreats and uh, conferences and different things, so um, that was one of the topics I wanted to cover today. But I also, you are right, I am in the process of starting a new podcast, and uh, yes. so I don't
0: know, I don't know if it's out now when you're going to be hearing this podcast, or if it'll be out in a couple of weeks after this podcast posts, but. Follow Jamie on TikTok and Instagram and all those wonderful places and keep an eye out for, what's the name of the podcast going to be?
1: It's it's God Unlearned.
0: Oh, And how can they find you on TikTok if they want to keep an eye out? So
1: for it's Recollected place? Self. Um, it's R-E-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-E-D-S-E-L-F. Thank and you. So for you those can. who
0: are illiterate like me, that helps a lot.
1: Yes, and there's no space. <laughs> Apparently I learned that today. If you don't put a space, you'll find me faster. <laughs> so don't put a space, you'll find me faster. Love um it. but yes. So um I mean, I can talk a little bit about the podcast first, or I can talk about the you know, some of the hypnotherapy stuff. Like
0: Well, I kind of want to get to know you a little bit more for for the audience. You know, how did you kind of fall into, become interested in uh, this idea of unlearning God, like this okay. cross-section so, between religion and hypnosis and hypnotherapy. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's is a pretty weighty subject because, I mean, just the podcast name alone is pretty, like... Provoking, right? It's you know, people more are like, "Oh my God, I don't yeah. want to unlearn God," right? Um, but it's more of this concept. I should probably—I don't even know if I'll have it in quotations, but it's basically like uh, the concept is you know, we learn we learn so many variations of God through our childhood, right? Like the God oh. of you know, the God of wrath, and the God that loves us, and the God that's the God you know, in the in the sky, and the God that you know, so many variations of God, right? Mm-hmm. And slowly through our development, we kind of craft that into our adult's version of what we understand God to be, right? right? So a lot of this came from my upbringing and I guess the story behind where I got some of the passions for like my spiritual coaching and, you know, some of my perceptions of how... um how we experience god and learn about god was you know i was raised in a very conservative mindset with christian catholic um household and you know my family wasn't really like super conservative. They were just like, you know, go to church once a week and yeah, we prayed and we would do stuff. My dad was actually like very religious. So he was the one that would be praying like every day I saw him with his Bible and, um, he would have us like in the Catholic world, we do like the rosary and stuff like that. So that's just like a meditative prayer. And so, um, I was exposed to like religiosity, I guess, like at a young age, um, my dad was definitely the one that was more focused on that. Um, mm-hmm. my mom obviously was religious. Um, it was just kind of a different manifestation in her life. So I,
0: that's kind of like dad being the religious patriarch kind of thing. Like, I mean, yeah,
1: he was a soft soul, important. Though. Yeah, yeah, he was like a soft soul though. Like he really wasn't okay. probably what you would vision like the patriarchal vision vision of like this is gender roles and stuff. Like he was very okay, okay. um he was like a very soft spirit. I think he was very um looking back at it, a lot of the way I saw his his spirituality um or I guess his religiosity manifest was I saw a lot of it through the lens of anxiety. Now, as a therapist, um, where I can't project his experience, he's no longer with us. I lost him when I was a child. But um, oh, okay. when I look back, it was very almost like compulsory. Like he couldn't not do it. If that makes hmm. sense, almost um, like an
0: addiction, kind of, or
1: like. Um... And this is this is where that podcast. I want to, you know, this is where I kind of want to go with it, right? Because where is the yes, cross section? between our own mental health and between our religious practices with our rituals, where's the line, right? Where's the line between, this is a very hot topic in the Catholic world, but I'll go there if you want me to, where's the (laughs) line between mental illness and the saints? Like this is a topic, a lot of the people that I'm working Uh with deconstructing, I'm working on like deconstructing, deconstruction work with them. And, um, this is one of the topics we brought up a couple of times, especially in the Catholic world. Um, but it's not meant to be a Catholic podcast. Absolutely not. It's actually meant to be extremely um, like ecumenical if we use the, the religion word. But it's okay. meant to be really outreaching to many groups that have... Very, I, I call them microcultures, um, mm-hmm. but they have subsects of those religions that become very, very strict, very, very um, all-or-nothing thinking, right? Very exclusion, mm. like exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because those things occur, we're not, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying like condemn this, condemn that. We're really saying that in these, in these, like big categories of, like, faith, there there is opportunity, there are vulnerabilities that come up, and what ends up happening is these microcultures sometimes form, if not, they are encouraged to be formed um, mm-hmm. by different institutions, by different even parish groups have their own little microculture. Sometimes, and I think we talked about this, Jesse, that one parish or one church that you'll go to is the same faith, but they feel so different, right? Because they create their own little sub-sociology culture inside oh, yeah. of it. Church
0: shopping is a huge thing. You know, you try a bunch of these out every Sunday morning to try and figure out which little microculture you want to like, boom, kind of exactly. fall into. Because they exactly. are so different, you know. Everyone's got their own culture,
1: right? And so, I that what I what my words, what I'm expressing is that you wanting a community is not bad. You know, you wanting to be long and be part of something is not bad. The problem is, is when you have a very intense urge to belong to something, it's psychological. It's like a psychological known issue that happens mm. that people start disregarding their critical thinking they can fall into what i call like pseudo cult thinking where they really disregard their own experience
0: like cult thinking yeah
1: yeah and I, i the reason i call it pseudo cult is because there are extreme versions of this and i don't i don't i don't sit here saying that something like jonestown or you know all that, like, yes, there are there are levels of this kind of thought, right? There are right. absolute levels of these kinds of cult thinking, right? And so I use the word pseudo, or we can call it like whatever lesser degree. Um, it still exists, though. It's still yeah. a it's still a very powerful culture that can impact our own very personality. Much our development, the way we visualize, like our own self, like our own entity of ourselves, like it's very powerful. So
0: yeah, well, I mean, in religion kind of is like, that's the point of religion is to change behavior, shape, personality, you know, transform, reborn, you know, rejuvenate the soul so that you're different than when you join. Like that's kind of the the point of religion so that makes makes a lot of sense to me i guess i'm wondering you know as you have done all your work and and research into this like when do you start to take issue with okay this has gone from something positive and spiritual to a micro cult uh sort of pseudo cult experience where where is that shift for you what should people look out for
1: right um well i mean here's the thing Okay. I usually say, I usually say that the main thing to look out for is ex- like, I feel like I shouldn't even say main because there's a lot of, co- there's a couple of things that you would to look out for. <laughs> well, we're gonna but explore them. I would say one of the main thing is there's a, there's a thought distortion in the world of CBT. Um, called all or nothing. Some people like to put it in categorical, like mm-hmm. colors or black or white, or you can just whatever asterisk. you want to
0: do. CBT right. is a form of mental health counseling therapy.
1: Yes, it is cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy, and it's like a yeah, it's a modality we use. So there is an entire concept around all or nothing thinking, and not when a you good really
0: thinking. what. Which is not a good type of thinking.
1: It is, yeah. It's considered a distorted thought, right? Or a cognitive distortion, which means it's a variance of the truth. It's a variance of exactly how the world functions, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people when you're really trying to understand these microcultures, when there's no room for nuance, when there's no room for humanity or Experience of the way different people experience the world. Okay, so your brother is going to ha- interact with the world differently than you are. You know, someone who um, is attracted, you know, someone who's gay is going to be experiencing the world a little bit different than someone who's straight, right? So when mm-hmm. we when we look at culture groups that are like considered these microcultures, a lot of the times you're going to find there's an us in them. Right. There's a, those people think that way, the, like, and we, we are like an exclusive group. Right. And so, you know, if, and it can be anything. Okay. So I'm, I'm speaking in very general terms here, but, um, a classic us and them that you find in not these like pseudo cult like groups is just the, the people who are going to heaven and the people who aren't right? you, you find pretty, that a lot, pretty black like, and white one. Yeah, that's like, I mean, e- and then you're like, okay, well then is everything a cult? And I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not, but it's when there's no room for middle conversation there, right? When we're saying, no, 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 like, this is a definitive line of you are, like, you are doomed to hell. And then anyone who does that, you know, anyone who's like that person is, there's no nuance. Like there's no like, well, could it be both? Like, could they experience life like that and also have a connection to God? And a lot of the times people mm-hmm. will be like, no, like you can't, like, there's no, there's no wiggle room. There's no, there's no wiggle room here. Like, and, and if you're not right, it becomes us and them. And if you're not willing to align with us, you're excluded. Yeah. Right. And so that, that can be a tough one to tackle and we'll definitely cover that on the podcast, but that one's a tough one because a lot of people are like, well, isn't every religion like that? Like I said before, I, mean, and I was
0: going to ask. Yeah,
1: exactly. And the thing is, is when you experience someone who's not in this like stringent, um, very, very, um, like there is no, there is no variation of this truth, right? When you experience someone like that, you're gonna you're gonna know, right? Because I've had priests that I work with, and I don't. This is why I want you to, I want you to know it's not like me bashing the whole religion, but like there are priests that are like, like total taken in, take into account like all the nuances. They're like, I understand, like I get why you are struggling with this, and you know your life is extremely hard, and there's different things going on. Um, you know the the Bible teaches us that like, you know, what you just told me like in confession or something is wrong. And mm-hmm. at the same time, we have to, we have to know that like, you know, we're striving to be better. We're striving to, you know, you're forgiven. Like there's mercy. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's a beautiful thing. Right. At so the that, same that time, a good there are,
0: that one what? like is, that's a healthy example. Like a priest. Yeah. Is like like hey, at the like, same time, they're showing compassion, yeah. even yeah. though they're trying to correct.
1: Exactly. Right. Okay. And of course the religion has a standard. So they're gonna say, okay, well that's that's not necessarily a right thing to do, right? Um they're gonna have a standard.
0: Yeah, well I would argue sorry to like no, go just ahead. Poke in for a minute. I would argue too, like, you know, I, I really struggle with uh what you're talking about just for the sake of devil's advocate here, because like I think any healthy form of thinking will do that in some way. Like even as a mental health counselor, like I make a black and white distinction between uh healthy and psychotic or healthy yeah. and dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And so like, there is kind of a line in the sand and I'll, you know, people will come into my office and I will care for them and be compassionate toward them. But they'll ask me, they're like, Hey, you know, is this a good thing to do? Like, do you think this is good for my mental health? And I'll be like, absolutely not. That's a terrible idea for your mental health. If you go do it, that's okay. You can still come back to my office and we'll talk about it. But I am telling you as a professional, that's a terrible idea.
1: Mm -hmm, (laughs) And so, mm -hmm.
0: you know, I, I've also met, you know, counselors who can be a little bit, um, well, I guess rude, in the way that they approach people where they're like, Hey, that's bad. We don't do that. If you do that, I'm firing you as a client. I'm like, Whoa, you know, it sounds like the same thing with religion. So I don't know, just for me, um, I don't know if I take issue with the black and white lines in the sand. I think some of those are very necessary, but I think it sounds like the root of what I get to, and maybe what you're talking about as well is the compassion and the care and the love for fellow human beings. Um, right. I, think I when mean, you lose think that, about you like fall into cult type stuff.
1: Right. I mean, think about this idea of like there's repercussions for it though. Like that's where I I mean, yeah. that's the next step of all or nothing. Right. So yeah, like you're, you know, you committed a sin or something. Um, and then maybe like maybe the person there's like one avenue of thought that's like compassion, like all are welcome, whatever like that is. And then the alternative is like there are there are very real stories of the confessionals. They're like it's it's exactly what you just explained with the mm. with the counseling. Um, it's mm. what you what you are telling me is extremely unco- like unacceptable. That's disgusting. Like it's degradation. It's um, and what does that feel like? Because in in the Catholic Church, you're supposed to be in persona Christi, right? So so now God is is feeling like. Okay, like so 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 now so now I'm like an like I'm the enemy, like I'm the bad guy, right? Like I and I'm trying to be a good guy, but now I'm bad. So like it's this weird interaction, especially and you're gonna find it in the Catholic Church a lot because Mm -hmm. of the in Persona Christi like mentality. So what what I mean by that, if you've never heard that word, is that in the I haven't heard that word before,
0: actually. So yeah, yeah,
1: please. Yeah, in in persona christi is basically like it's it's a it's like an it ens-
0: means in the person of Christ. In, in the person persona, of Christ. Christ, exactly,
1: yeah. It's yeah, in the, so in like, the, the, it's, it's in the person, yes. Yeah, so when you're in confession, you are to treat it as though you're talking to God. And when you're right. hearing a voice on the other side, this is where I get a little iffy on my psychological experience of confession because I feel like, yikes. Um, I do think there is a lot of, and you could talk to this about, you know, as a hypnotherapist, but there's a lot of power when someone's envisioning another voice as the entity of God. And like, as this is a representation of God, if not more than that, if not like I am hearing this voice is like him, right? um so or i well him I, no gender god okay like <laughs> i don't even want <laughs> i'm not gonna go there but let's just use that pronoun for they, now just for the that, sake of it right. let's use that pronoun sure um so when you really think about it someone's hearing like i'm disgusting like i i'm a bad person you know and uh, sometimes it's even like don't even think about going back to church if you're going to do this, right? It's an exclusion. It's like, mm-hmm. you are going to be punished from your community and I need to give you like this, like you're excluded, right? So it's like, yeah. where's the room for growth, right? And that's where you're. That's where we can kind of compare it to counseling, right? Where it's like, if you do that, where's the room for them to grow and to heal and to process, right? And yeah. that's where it becomes... Uh, to me, that type of mentality is leading down a path of like us and them. Like, we are going to exclude you if you are a human and you mess up. And if you mess up, don't tell us because then we have to exclude you. Right. So there's this secrecy in the microculture. There's a like, I can't, I can't tell you who I really am. And think about like the implications of that. Right. Because now it feels like. God is like big brother and now we just have to kind of, if we're going to be human, we just have to kind of keep it secret and, and -hmm. people just can't know because I want to be part of this culture, but I know that if I truly am who I am, like, and I truly am trying to like be genuine, I'm going to get kicked out. Right. And so that, isn't healthy to me like i don't care what world and yes there has to be standards but that type of like culture if you're embedded in a culture like that it's extremely unhealthy it lends itself to an unknowing of yourself yeah unknow yourself
0: jump off there for a minute so like um you know just because i think it's great to have like contrasting viewpoints and kind of talk them through to come to resolution right um I, I think for me, the point that you just got to is more important than the black and white all or nothing thinking. Uh, and let me, let me talk that through, uh, because I have, uh, had clients where I've had to, had some very, very serious conversations with them. I've had clients in the past who have told me they want me to take my clothes off in session for them. And I was like, Hey, listen, uh, I, I, I understand that you're obviously feel safe enough to express that in this therapeutic relationship, but I need you to understand that there is no sexual relationship in counseling. And if that's what you're looking for, then we need to terminate this professional relationship. And so that is a black and white line in the sand for me. And if someone comes into my office and starts punching holes in walls, I'm going to be like, Hey, that's not appropriate. Um, Which I've had situations where I've had to talk to people, you know, like I deal with all sorts of individuals. And so there are, for me, a lot of behavioral black and white lines in the sand where I'm like, hey, um, you cannot take your clothes off in session. Uh, I will not take my clothes off in session. <laughs> I've had some interesting cases, um, wow. but that doesn't change that I want and am here to help you. Okay. And the only way that I can do that is if we have some boundaries right. about what we're doing. Now, you got to a point uh, in, in what you're kind of saying where we talked about um, secrecy. That to me is huge. So I, I'm kind of okay with the black and white thinking. Um, but for me, when we start keeping secrets and we start hiding and repressing, as like a psychodynamic, you know, hypnotherapist type of counselor, uh, repression and the shadow is, is a very important part of the way that I conceptualize the way that human beings work. And when we start pushing stuff into the shadow side of our persona, we really allow those things to begin to fester and turn into psychosis. Mm -hmm. uh, That's going to be extremely detrimental as we move forward. So I think when you talk about secrecy, I'm totally on board with that. That Right. And I think, sorry, go
1: ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this, I guess my point is that it's, there's a repercussion and I, and the the delineation is, of course, there has to be a standard, right? There has to be a if we're using the parallel of the counseling like session, right? There has to yeah. be a standard of like, this is the line you cannot cross, it, right? Um, which is. Valid, And that's, that's not just in religion, that's in the world, right? Our world has like social construct rules that mm-hmm. are there for a reason, right? To protect us, to make sure, you know, our children are safe, to make sure, right? There are social constructs that we are asked of every day, right? Yeah. The issue I think that, you know, that I'm, you know, getting to is this, when those repercussions are inflammatory, right? They're, they're like overkill, right? They're not the, the Mm. punishment doesn't meet the crime. The, um, the, the exclusion is not warranted. Right. And, and it becomes so, um, it becomes so ingrained that it's not just an establishment that's excluding you. It's literally God that's excluding you. Right. And so Mm. if God or in some, in some variations, like in the LDS community, a lot of the times it's like your salvation, like your salvation future, right? Where they like have their destination of their own like heaven, right? And if that gets taken from you, like what's left for you, right? What's left for you in the world if you have been living your own experience for the sanctity to get to the level of heaven, right? And if that's robbed of you because you're now outside of the community or you're excluded, it becomes less of like the mind, and I'm not saying this happens with everyone, but it can happen with, especially in these microcultures, the mind will drop the entity of the institution and literally replace it with God. And if God is the one that's rejecting you, that is it's beyond tragic. So that's where that whole God unlearned comes from. Okay. Um, because we've learned God in a way that is so, it's, it's bound in some of these cultures, right? Mm-hmm. It's bound with um, like, in order for him to love me, in order for him to hear me pray. Listen, I just li- I just heard this. Um, I was just watching like something about um, this woman who was captured, and she was like early adolescence, and she was praying to God. And in our developmental mind, we create constructs and rules for God. She literally said she refused to say amen. Because she thought in her mind that was ending the prayer, and if God heard her end the prayer, He would stop listening, right? And so Mm -hmm. that really is what I'm getting at, Jesse, is how all or nothing it can be, right? That's not necessary. That's not. That's not like a critically thought out experience, right? When you can really legit, if you walked me through that, I'm like, does Amen actually mean that God is not listening? And someone's saying, yes, I believe that. As a therapist, I'd say, all right, we need to untangle that thought. Because yeah. does that follow the 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 known that is God and the way he understands his people, right? Uh, so yeah. those are the kind of nuances that don't sometimes exist. Right. They don't exist in our psyche unless someone teaches us to unlearn that thought. We have to unlearn that experience of no, 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 no. If I say amen, God stops listening to me. Okay. Well, that, that's a little bit of a distortion. Like, that's a distortion of the way. Yeah. We that's interact. a little heavy handed. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I'm just using that as an example. But like for that's real, Jesse, example. like that, expand that expand that way of experiencing God, right? Where if it's like, if I get a divorce, right? This is a very common thing in our culture right now. Like if I get a divorce, then God like will put his stamp on me and say like, you know, you gave up on your vow, like this was a sacrament, this was blah, 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 blah. And I take, you know, you're taking back what I gave you, and what I gave you was holy. And this is a very powerful example in our in especially like evangelical communities, in many like very stricter visions of like sacramental like marriage, because it's a sacred like ceiling of the relationship it's yeah. it's it's bound by God
0: not to be broken
1: yeah not to be broken right and oh, so and this no. is go
0: ahead yeah no I I appreciate you letting me disagree with you because I think I
1: want I think you yeah you could just
0: yeah no I think you had a really good point to make uh and I think it deserved to be logic all the way through you know the problem is not with yeah, the problem is not with boundaries boundaries are actually incredibly healthy yeah. uh the problem is with extreme black and white thinking especially the type of black and white thinking that allows one person to behave inappropriately toward another person because of some weird sort of mistake that that person made. So for instance, like, uh, if somebody is, if somebody sins against the church, I'm now allowed to incite violence against them. Like that's, that would be a cognitive distortion, black and white thinking. It's not that having, clear boundaries and clearly defined behavioral guidelines is bad. In fact, that's great. But there is something to be said, and I think you reasoned it out really well there, where you said, hey, there's a huge difference between having boundaries and having like, hey, this is okay, that's not okay. And then like totally throwing away a person and telling them that they're trash because they made a mistake or they did something wrong, or they are stuck in a unhealthy behavior pattern that they're trying to get out of like that's different. And that's why, you know, like, like the example I gave when I I've had individuals in my office who have said inappropriate sexual things toward me, I don't just say, get out. You know, I'm like, Hey, um, let's talk this through. That's interesting that you said that we need to have a little bit of a clearer talk about boundaries because either you don't know or you're being malicious. And if you're being malicious, I need to ask you to leave. Uh, But if you don't know, this is an amazing opportunity for us to develop you as a person. And I don't want to lose that opportunity just because I'm like, well, now you're a trash person. I need to get rid of you. Like that's, that's not very helpful. Right. And you, you know, kind of to switch topics a little bit too, you brought up a really interesting point. You know, can you talk to me more about this, um, this interesting phenomenon you see where the church without even knowing it utilizes hypnotic techniques
1: yeah. uh, to, yeah. to kind of enable
0: this way of thinking.
1: Right. And so, I mean, I, one of the points here that I bring up like with the hypnotic experience is the, the point and, and I will get here, but one of my main points is consent and my main, like if you even look What's back to matter? like what,
0: I said, I love it. Let's start there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what, what I'm even looking at, right. And this is, and I'm going to tie it with the past topic we just ha- had is that when you're for like, when you're trying to understand your concept of God and someone's forcing God into these very extreme boxes with, without a lot of nuances with, with almost punishment, as the alternative, right? It's like, no, we're not going to leave room for discussion. You're going to be punished if you just act like this. Don't ask questions, right? It's like when you're when you're trying to understand your sen- sense of self, it's the the i the concept of god is so powerful that I actually think it's an interaction with losing consent, if that makes sense. And I know this is like a heavy, this is kind of a hard idea to wrap around make
0: sure I get it so you're kind of saying that uh the first thing that you're thinking about when it comes to the hypnosis that's used by religion without them even knowing it is consent and when you talk about this grand god form when there's that big of an entity it almost takes away and usurps the concept of consent because god is so big kind of takes consent away
1: I would. Okay. This is why it has to be. This is cool. Walk me
0: through this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I see it more as the humanities exchange with the idea of God. And when I say idea of God, I'm not trying to invalidate God. I want you to hear it as a concept right now in for the sake of this argument. Okay. Okay. So the concept of God is we don't question what, what, and we're going to use the pronoun he for now. What he says goes, <laughs> what he says goes, um, we aren't, how dare we interact with that line in the sand, right? How dare we even question it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- what, we're really, what we're really seeing in some of these microcultures is they use that concept. Okay. And they, they have it as like fuel for their own personal narrative, okay? So if they're against homosexuality, God becomes the fuel for this concept of I, I have this idea, and I'm going to perpetuate it through the idea of God. And why I say it, it's a consent issue is because we want to be connected with the divine, okay? And I usually like to say the divine. You're going to hear me say that probably in my podcast. But we like to connect with the divinity that is in this world, okay? Okay. And so when someone uses that and usurps it and says, like, I'm going to manipulate this and, and and use this as like I'm going to perpetuate and propagate this concept through this idea, you're you're really negotiating between wait, where where does God end and where does this person begin? And where is this concept and 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 how should I understand that? And so what ends up happening is people feel Pressure, right? And we know about concept. We are I'm sorry, concept. We know about con- consent, which is a aspect of consent. Is when there is a unlike due pressure, like it's a pressure that's on the outside, and we see this with partying, right? We see this with drinking. We see this with when ah, people like make that right. When people make that argument, where they're like, "How much consent can actually occur when this element is present?" And that's a whole concept that people struggle with because they're like Uh, okay well if there's a lot of alcohol how much consent can actually happen right you're kind of like
0: that's a that's a that's an interesting uh an amazing distinction i want to point that out to those who are listening you're kind of equating um let me let me make sure i say this right because i I want to say (laughs) no this is good this is good you're kind of equating uh it is not possible for somebody who has had an absorbent amount of alcohol to give consent. If you've taken so much alcohol to where your cognitive functioning is no longer a capacity that you are able to wield, then you are no longer able to give consent. If you're blackout drunk, you can't consent. You have no more cognitive capacity, no more conscious capacity. This idea of God that gets so big that it goes beyond conscious reasoning
1: takes away in the
0: same way consent. And I think, I think the interesting point there is for me as a hypnotherapist, um, what hypnosis does is when we get into a conscious rut where our reasoning becomes broken and we kind of enter this like self-defeating depression, anxiety loop, because our consciousness is like stuck in this rut. What hypnosis can do is it can bypass conscious reasoning and enter into the unconscious process and okay. help reorganize the unconscious process to fix the conscious one. Right. In the same way, if we use this idea of God that is so big that it bypasses consciousness, we're doing in principle the same uh manipulation that happens in hypnosis. It's the same kind of thing that would happen with drugs or alcohol. You know, you're right. bypassing conscious reasoning and entering into unconscious processing. Uh, so that's very interesting that, that you make that. And I, I think I would totally agree with it. I think any time that we get so into this idea of God that we no longer use our, I believe, God given capacity for reasoning,
1: exactly. <laughs> that, that
0: just doesn't make sense to me. God should be big enough that he's also logical.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And you're I think claiming yeah. God is who you
0: think he is. Yeah.
1: See, this is where I see hypnosis is so powerful because it can access that line of thought. And yeah. um, and that's really why I'm I'm taking a second cuz I want to pull up an article, but like my point is that when we look at that and we get that bypassed without us fully understanding what's happening i'm not okay with that like that's literally i think my point when i look at how some hypnotic experiences if i step back from like a layman's perspective like if i look at some of these retreats and some of these conferences i'm like what's going on? Like what might be going on? And even if it's intentional or not intentional, it still is a little concerning. Like, I mean, so, I mean, I can bring up some examples, but um, I think it, when we were talking before, we were talking about, um, we were talking basically about this idea of, when I was in training for hypnotherapy, right? We were yeah. talking about that. And yeah. I was one of those kids that was raised with like a bunch I went on a bunch of retreats and I went on a bunch of conferences. And um, you know, I All saw youth so group many camps. Yeah, like youth group camps, like who however <laughs> you relate to those kind of things, like there's you know yeah. Jesus camp or whatever. Um but when you really look at the way the way that some of these retreats and conferences are structured okay like i said whether it's intentional or not intentional it it's set up in a way from a hypnotherapist's mind that creates an environment for susceptibility Okay. And one of the things that we look for in that we test for, and you know this, Jesse, is we test susceptibility. We want to know what is the likelihood of someone being able to go here, right? Like to be able to go into that conscious mind and how easy is it going to be? And you
0: mean like, like into like how, how easy is it for someone to go into a trance state? Is that yeah, into a trance state? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I, we may have a little bit different philosophy on on hypnosis. I think everyone can enter, enter a trance state. I think people have different modalities to enter that.
1: Right, uh, and I think like we talked about this last time. So I I'm of the mindset that, that yes, I believe I believe that we all can. Okay, yes. it's this idea that I and this is one of the points that I brought up when we were talking before, but like this idea of and I want your listeners to hear this. So there's this whole concept and there are different mindsets here. So keep this in mind for whoever's Mm -hmm. listening, but that there are people that are a little more susceptible to get into the trance state faster, easier, um, or in a specific way, right? So what you kind of see when you watch hypnotherapy stuff, you'll see them do specific techniques. There are other techniques to get into the trance state. So, there are certain types of people that you might have to do a specific kind of induction for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that we brought up before was like, who's susceptible, who's susceptible in the easiest way, right? Like if I just put on certain music and create the lighting correctly and I have a pretty good tone of voice, who's there? Who's there already? Like, I want right, to know right. who's there already. If there's like 10 people in the room and three people are like more likely, I'm probably just going to pick those three people because it's easier, right? Um, that's where you see stage hypnosis do the quick yes. assessment,
0: right? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Stage yeah. hypnosis uses... It's called, they're called somnambulists, the most easily susceptible uh, yes exactly
1: I, mm-hmm. exactly so yes so one of those things in my education we were learning about different people that were very susceptible to those like quick inductions okay and of course this isn't going to surprise you but one of them was very orthodox religion Mm. Really, people who are very entrenched in Orthodox religion were more likely to have quick inductions. Okay um also factory workers cuz it's a lot of mundane so a lot of the times our mind will kind of just like fill in the blank so a lot of mundane work um and then of course people who were less susceptible or harder to induce like um so you'd have to go through a different strategy to induce them which it's possible it's just different um were really analytical thinkers like engineers yeah
0: your college professors
1: Mm-hmm. Like the mathematicians of the world, so you're gonna okay. So, are they impossible to create an induction? No, they are. But when we throw a bunch of people in a room, like who's gonna go faster? Who's gonna get like you know? And there's just like it's it's possible. Yeah, so
0: deeply orthodox in the factory, workers, yeah. Gonna yeah.
1: So you throw like three mathematicians and three people who are uber religious. It's like okay, well it it's pr- I mean, it's the the research shows that those people are gonna get in get into the hypnotic state faster. okay. cool. Okay, so if that's the case though, Jesse, if I set the stage in a retreat with very like, like, Ambient lighting. And another thing we know about hypnosis is that you can create a level of expectation by just suggesting it's going to happen, right? So, for example, what I saw a lot with the retreats is anticipatory um like leading up to events, right? So during retreats, they'd be like, Oh, are you going to go to the Saturday night session? Are you going to be, um, are you going to, you know, are you going to go up on stage and talk like, Oh, like I hear they're going to like bring out this speaker and they're going to have like this awesome experience with the music. So a lot of expectation, right. Mm -hmm. And, And a lot of lead up to what is going to happen, which means, will we encounter God like in a new way, right? Will we encounter this experience with God in a new way? Cause we're not really talking about the speakers. Yeah. It's cool to have speakers and, and music. But what we were really talking about was like, are we going to actually connect with God? Cause that's why yeah. we're here.
0: We're going to meet God. Like, yeah. that's,
1: are that's we going to meet God awesome. like, in a new way, in a new way, yeah. which is how powerful is that? Like how, po- let's yeah. take a step back. How powerful is that? If I literally looked right at you, Jesse, and I said, you know what? Next weekend, I have a retreat and you're going to meet God. Like you're going to meet God in a new way, right? In a new <laughs> that way. That like
0: sounds like an acid yeah. trip.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's exactly. Like, I met I met God. Okay. But like, you know where I'm going to go with that. It's like our, our body creates these chemicals and sometimes you do experience a spiritual high. You do experience this experience Like, this release of chemicals because our body has that at our disposal when we connect to, like, our higher spiritual self, right? And so, if you're seeking that and that's an anticipatory thing, like, you're anticipating that to happen, you're already in a suggestible state, right? Because now you're like, I want that to happen, okay? So now we're already in a suggestible state. And I did a little research before we started this that I, di- I, I reached out to some of my old, um, cause I used to do music ministry and I don't know if you've ever noticed about the music, especially in some of these retreats or some of these like church sessions is they're so, so repetitive, like, m- like, like oddly repetitive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're, we're not saying like it's a four repeat verse. It's a, it's a 20 repeat phrase. Like you're doing 20 repetitious phrases, right? Like, you know, whatever it is, like it can be anything, but like you hear it on repeat. Exactly. And it's rhythmic. And there's a reason for that. Actually, like if you look up this, like if you look up some like Gregorian chant and like the meditative states, like there's reasons why repetition helps us meditate. Right? Helps us get into a better state of well, you know, and prayer. to
0: interject just for a moment like the key to self-hypnosis is reciting mantras. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So just
0: to add credit to exactly what no, you're
1: saying. No, exactly. Okay. And so this is not all to be said like, oh my God, everybody who's here is all hypnotized. But it's this idea of like- well, I mean, but they are well, all hypnotized. <laughs> going back to the consent issue. Okay. Because yes. I remember when I'm in my deconstructive instruction group, I've talked to them about this. And one of the things that a lot of the times when people are trying to understand their own idea, like their own concept of God, not the one that's been like, Taught to them through their whole childhood, but one that is claimed as their own. Okay. When I bring up this idea of hypnosis in some of these retreats, where many of them tell me that's where they made the decision to like change their life, right? A lot of these are like the pivot points for people to actually take God seriously and actually like change their life. When I bring this up, there's a lot of anger. Why? Mm. Because it's mm. like when you look back at an event and you realize I didn't have full consent, right? When think of think of an experience in your life where you look back and you're angry, and and rightfully so, like sacred anger. There's a reason why anger is extremely helpful emotion. Okay, so we look back with anger. We're trying to process it, and we're saying, I didn't have consent there. I yeah. didn't. I Anger's know I didn't. Because
0: it. it keeps us safe. It's a protective emotion.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know if you have something in mind, but like when I think about something that I didn't really have consent over and I didn't realize it in the moment, it hurts even. It, it hurts because I'm like, wow, I couldn't even see it. I couldn't even see it. And there are people in my life that might have had the power to see it. Like there were adults in my life that could have helped me see that. Right. Or there was there were people in my life that could have helped me understand what it means to like go to some of these events or do some of these things, whatever. Um, But what happens is it feels it's tied to the understanding of God. And this is one of my points that um, I want to bring up is that most of the time when you bring up to your parents that you want to go to like a religious event or, you know, a retreat or something, no one's looking at it as like, are you going to be manipulated I mean, some people will, but, but like, I shouldn't say no one, but it's not a common thought. Like, okay, well, you're just going to be like, you're just going to be manipulated. Like they're just going to manipulate you. Right. Mm. Um, it's looked at as a good thing. It's like, it's a good thing. Why, why wouldn't it, why would it be a problem? Right. Why
0: wouldn't you want to be manipulated?
1: (laughs) Why isn't that what you want? You want to change, you want to change your life. So like, whatever. Um, but point. Right. And so, so here's the thing. My point is there's a lot of, there's a lot of there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of leading up to the event. There's a lot of repetition in the music. There's a, there's a lot of like sensory things, especially in the Catholic church. There's a lot of sensory engagement. So they'll have smells. They'll have smells that are always attributed to experiences with God. So like the incense that we use, um, which is helpful, honestly, because it's a, it's like an anchor for our mind to know, we, we smell it, we experience it. What? Oh yeah, God time. Mm-hmm. God, time. And, oh. God time. You smell that? It yeah, you like smell gingers. that God time. <laughs> so, I mean, it literally follows the way our human experience engages with the world, right? Absolutely. The senses, the internal rhythm that we have, right? When you, when you experience like the, the repetition, it feels like you're in union with something bigger than yourself, right? And so, When you tell me that that's God, I'm going to be like, oh my God, it's God. Like, oh my God, like this is amazing, right? And so, that this is all to be said that you can absolutely encounter God. You can encounter Him in a way that's profound. My whole point is that if you are vulnerable and you get to a like soci like it's a sociology experience to me because mm-hmm. it's it's basically like I mean maybe I'm being like a little too extreme here but like it it looks to me like group hypnosis like in some contexts it looks like group Yeah, hypnosis. I
0: don't think you're being too extreme at all. I think I think it absolutely is group hypnosis and I think you know on <laughs> to give credit to exactly what you're saying I think consent is huge and I think the problem is I don't know if I'd even say problem, but the concern for me is um, that what will happen is while a child is still developing and while they do not yet have the cognitive capacity to make their own reasoning decisions, uh, they will be put into a religious experience or religious group or, you know, a religious, you know, uh, ideology that then they will grow up with without ever consciously considering. And so I think the solution to this whole thing is not only consent, but the biggest thing to consent is information. And that's why like when you are about to start counseling, or even if you're about to have a hypnosis session with me or with you, you have what's called informed consent because you can't consent to something unless you know what's going to happen information is the key to keeping ourselves safe to development to growth and so i i mean i'm all for obviously hypnotic experiences and religious hypnotic experiences can be fantastic as well yeah. i've heard some amazing recovery stories like you know getting over substance abuse stuff through religious experiences i'm not here to judge that if your life is now more functional because of some group hypnosis experience at a religious event and it helped your life great but the thing for me is when we just make assumptions and follow through with these ways of being that we've never really stopped to think about, Hey, wait a minute, is this really the best way to do this? And so I think for me, like the reason I'm on TikTok, the reason I'm on Instagram, the reason I make podcasts is I want to spread information so people can be wiser and more knowledgeable so they can make informed consent for themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say this is bad or that is good. I think everyone should be able to make that decision for themselves. However, I don't think we can even begin to have consent or decision until we have information. I think that's huge.
1: Right. And that's, I think, the hardest part about it is because so many of us it's like when you see your clients normalize like trauma or normalize abuse, it's like we're normalizing this mentality that like we wouldn't question it. Right. Like don't, why would you question it? It's a good thing. Right. Like what you're doing is good. You're connecting with God. Like, why would you question it? Yeah. And, and it's like, unless we have a moment of, I don't like, like a, I guess the word is like sobering event or whatever, where we're like understanding and we're asking ourselves like, okay.
0: Some catharsis or something.
1: What's Yeah, exactly. Like what is going on there? Because let me just tell you, and I will, I will speak on a personal note here.
0: Just yeah, please.
1: One second. Um, <laughs> so I remember it was feeling like a spiritual high. It did feel like a spiritual high. And I remember anticipating these retreats almost as though I was getting a hit because it felt like that.
0: Well, it it felt
1: yeah. like I was connected to something deeper. Like it felt like a trip or something like where are literally, you're like, I'm part of something bigger now. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. And when I tell you there was an actual hangover, there was, when I left those retreats, it was like, it, literally, the 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 uh, chaperones would know to prepare us because it would feel so jarring to go back into our regular life, and they'd be like it's not going to, you know, you're going to go to church and it's not going to feel the same way. And like, you know, you have to understand God's still there and like still keep praying. And like, I understand you're going to be embedded into your toxic culture and your toxic friend group. And like, remember us mm-hmm. and them, us and them, us and mm-hmm. them. Like you're different now. Like you're 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 holier now. And then you'd be thrown back into the world of your high school and you'd be like, I, I can't even handle ah! it. Like it was literally like a self- Christ like you were literally like an identity crisis because you're like okay I Very was much. this person on Friday or I just did whatever the hell I wanted to do or whatever and then now Monday like my God is in my life and now who am I like who who am I and you know God gave me this beautiful experience this this weekend and now I'm back here and everything's terrible right and it's like yeah. okay. I get that. Like there is power when you experience God. And I did want to, I wanted to hold your point, Jesse, where you were saying, if you know what's going on and you want to go into these retreats and you are connecting with God in a new way, that's a beautiful thing. Right. Right. It's the problem is like, it wasn't in like years, Jesse, years, years later was when I realized like, when I connected with what I understood was God, okay, the closest I ever felt to him was many times these retreats. The closest I ever felt like that God was actually real
0: Mm.
1: were these retreats, okay? Mm -hmm. Not in my personal prayer time, not in my interactions, like, was in these retreats. And that to me was a huge like processing moment because I got to this point where I was like, what is real then? Because I have encountered God outside of retreats. I just, in case you guys are wondering, like it's not like I'm completely throwing him out of the picture. But since then as an adult and as I've been cultivating my own spirituality outside of like my own faith story, I realized that what. I encountered there was constructed for me. It was meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. It was literally like we constructed this to to elicit this response, right? And so, looking back at it, it feels rough. And I, I mean, I, I think I'm past anger now. It's more like acceptance if I'm looking at the grief model. But like, I'm past, I'm past like that anger. I'm more like yeah, that happens to me. And I can now process it through my lens.
0: Well, and I think the thought that I kind of want to, you know, leave off on is just to have compassion and some empathy for what you're describing because those type of moments are incredibly jarring. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reason that, you know, I I founded with Zach Dodson the company that we have trauma focused hypnotherapy. The reason that we use hypnotherapy to help specifically and clinically with trauma is You have to understand the way that we've described trauma and the way that we define it with our model is trauma happens when an identity is ripped away from you without consent. Exactly. And in this experience, and what exactly you're describing is you had this identity, a part of yourself was your connection with God. Yep. And your way of connecting with God was these retreats. And then you. Develop and you uh, gain the faculties of your conscious mind when you're 25 and your frontal cortex is developed. Right, you gain some wisdom and some knowledge, and you realize, whoa, it. I was connecting with God when I was alone. You know, there's my own personal relationship with God, but I believed that my only way to really deeply connect with God was these retreats. And now I'm understanding that those retreats were just using the way that the human brain works to create a psychological and emotional experience that was manufactured. And that identity that you experienced was ripped away without consent. And so that created for you, the experience of trauma where like, whoa, this religious thing that was such a big part of my life. I mean, devoted hours and hours, like you said, your music minister, you know, to the whole thing, like just got ripped away without even knowing it was gonna happen. And that creates a huge like shift in a, a schism between who you are and what you thought was going on. And so I I really empathize with that because I've had experiences like that in my life as well. And a lot of other people do.
1: Right. And so Jessie, I think the way I to fight that is with a, knowledge. That's a great point that like I I definitely want to like leave the listeners with is like what we're really talking about when you come to that sense Of understanding is an and you're you're trying to understand okay if that is not my experience with god then what is god i hear a lot of the people i work with with deconstruction they go through a mourning period of saying whatever i constructed god to be yeah isn't there anymore it's literally gone and so what they're doing is they're literally holding in their hands pieces of what they were taught and trying to understand okay is god even is god even real that's a very common first step is god even real and if they come out of that with knowing that like in this is their personal journey but like knowing that the, their divine experience is real okay well what does it look like now if it's not constructed by the sociology of their childhood, by the sociology of, like, the social groups that they were involved in, what is it? Because, like, if you look at the LDS community, if you look at the, like, conservative evangelicals, like, and in my case, it was Catholicism, what ends up feeling like is, like, you not only lost your social group, but you mm-hmm. lost your God. hmm and so you're, and you're usually isolated because you don't have someone to tell. That's where you're at, right? Because now shame and guilt enters the picture, right? Yeah. You talk to your old best friend, you're the godmother. Yeah. You're the god, you're their godmother. If you, and you're now saying you don't believe in God. Like, how do you have a conversation with them, right? You talk to your mother, who's a devout Christian. Does she abandon me? You same with your spouse. Oh my God. I see it with spouses all the time. Mm -hmm. How do I talk to my how do I talk to my spouse? Mm -hmm. How do I talk to my lifelong partner? Right. And this is the work that I and just just because I want your listeners to hear this. This is the work that is my passion. And I'm like developing like some of my spiritual coaching groups around this. I'm like writing some of my book eventually. And then I'm doing my podcast. The podcast is up on the docket next. Okay. Yeah. And this is what I envision for us is that we're going to find each other. Mm -hmm. We're going to find each other. Okay. Whatever religion you came from, if you want to find the same people, you will be able to find it through hopefully the director, like the funneling of this program. Right. Yeah. And the, and the, and the podcast. Okay. That's amazing. And, you can find each other, but also you can have tools. Like you can actually have tools to connect and tools to actually do some of this self-work because you know what? We, unfortunately, and we know this as like the social media presence as we have a lot of the times people might not have direct access to therapy, but they can yeah. start identifying. And this is where you, if you go on my page on TikTok, you'll see a lot of self-reflection work. Why? Because we might not always have the tools to that are right in front of us right or we have three kids and we can't get out of the house or we don't have an extra hour out of our day mm-hmm. right and so sometimes it is it is starting through our own self discovery and ideally because you know I'm a therapist like ideally it would be fostered either through a therapist experience or like a spiritual coaching program or whatever it is like whatever that looks like in your story Ideally you'd be you'd be joined with someone that can help you f- with that journey. Yeah. That's yeah. my that's my
0: Well, and if you're looking to connect with somebody who will help you in that community as, you know, we unlearn God and unlearn religion, keep an eye out for Jamie Maller on Instagram, TikTok, the podcast, God Unlearned. Uh, I think a lot of people who are listening will really um, find some community and some care for what they're going through by you know checking out the things that you do because you do have a lot of great resources and I just really recommend anyone who's interested in it like definitely check it out Jamie Maller J A I M E Maller and you yep. can find him and it if you guys want to
1: just connect with me anyways like some people want to just message me you can just go to my website it's recollectedself.com um, yes. you'll be able to find that information to like just reach out to me directly because some people wanted you down on TikTok but it's not possible so yeah. just go through my website
0: That's beautiful. Jamie, hey, thanks so much for sharing all the stuff and even being so personal about it. I really appreciate it.
1: It was a pleasure. Thanks, Jesse.
0: Welcome. Talk to you all later. This episode of the Tripping Off podcast was sponsored by HD Counseling. They are truly the future of therapy with a network of over 30 therapists in the Orlando and Winter Park area who each specialize in different mental health topics. They provide the care and empathy needed to truly change your life. What makes them unique is that each therapist runs their own business under the cooperative of HD Counseling. So no matter what you're going through, you will receive an independent, highly motivated therapist who will care and empower you to create change in your life. Even if you are outside the Orlando area, every therapist offers telehealth sessions to anyone in the state of Florida. Find your perfect therapist at www.hdcounseling.com. They are committed to your growth. Tripping Off is produced in partnership with Trauma-Focused Hypnotherapy. If you are interested in understanding more about the unconscious mind, or you're looking to get certified as a hypnotherapist yourself, you can find all the information you need at www.TraumaFocusedHypnotherapy.com. Many therapists and clients are leaving behind more traditional therapy and opting for hypnotherapy due to the radical changes that take place in just a short period of time. Where other therapies only talk about the problem, Hypnosis allows the client to experience change, then take this experience with them into their lives for a true transformation.